to say is that it's great to be back. Hello, friends, and what is up? I am Daryl Smart, and welcome back to the Smart Sports Podcast. It has been way too long since we've been together. Fortunately, sports is back in a way. Unfortunately, it isn't back in full swing. But you know what? I'll take it for now. This week on the podcast, I have a very special guest. Jason Burgess is Norfolk County's Chief Administrative Officer, and we are going to talk Norfolk Recreation with him. With recreation hockey, arenas, and now the failed hub attempt all in the spotlight the last little while, I thought there is no better way to open up season number three of Smart Sports Podcast than to have Jason on the show. Jason, it is great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. And since the this week it was all about the hub, I thought we were going to talk a little bit about recreation, the hub, and arenas and whatnot, and that's why we have you on. Since the big news this week coming out of council was uh, just the hub, I thought I'd get just a few thoughts from you about that, if you don't mind. What was the uh, just what was the impression of the your impression of the county, and and of course since it's a a sports podcast, uh, what was kind of the impression about the just your first impressions about sports and recreation in the, in the area. Yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a hockey dad and that kind of stuff. So when I, I was actually working for the County prior, I was a partner with MNP. So I was hired uh, last fall to help with the budget process. And yeah. So, um, so sometimes I'd be staying overnight in a hotel in Simcoe or whatever. And uh, staff laughed at me and, and a couple of counselors as I would pop out and um, just, go to the arenas, check out the facilities, check out kids and that kind of stuff. And uh, even, you know, today, like when I ride my bike, like, you know, I'll go up uh, from Dover into Simcoe and, and uh, there's a, there was a U20 team that would practice, I think on Wednesday nights, I'd hit them up, talk to the coach a bit. Nice. And then on Wednesday nights, uh, Simcoe uh, baseball would have their practices and I talked to the coaches there, watch the kids swing and that kind of stuff. So, you know, like my impression is, uh, you know, there, there's a really proud uh, sports uh, culture here and uh, people are, are uh, you know, invested in it, which is always, you know, great to see. And, and uh, you know, I grew up, you know, playing sports. I, I, I coached, uh, um, you know, I, I coached sports, I refereed uh, football. Yeah. Um, so it's always been a big part of my life and I, and I always think it's uh, – I always think it's a key thing for, uh, you know, for kids and families to have that, those uh, opportunities. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I like to see the diverse nature of uh, sports here. There's yeah. uh, and, and broader activities. There's skateboard parks here. There's, there's certainly uh, lots to do here. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think Norfolk's got, um, has a lot of great assets that needs to, um, you know, need, needs to be, you uh, you know, utilized and, and expanded upon. Uh, it's so true. It's so true. And, and, and again, Tuesday, there was plenty of talk about the death of the hub. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'm one of those people kind of like what counselor Amy Martin was saying. I, I, I don't think it's a dead discussion at all. I, I, I think maybe it's a stumbling block or obviously the, this, this funding stream's done and you have to kind of go back to the drawing board. But, uh, it, it, it's and it really is such a a big deal having a complex of this magnitude and of course like you said you you've been around the community and you you've seen the passion for sports and recreation so uh, what do you think is, is it dead do you think or is it just a stumbling block no I I think you know potentially that concept 
mm-hmm. you know, needs to go back and be reworked. And I think you need to take, uh, this is my personal opinion, and, and you know, counsel may differ from me, uh, but my, you know, my personal opinion is, um, you know, you need to take a Norfolk wide, uh, you know, uh, approach to this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I hate using east west because uh, I don't think that's what uh, I think that's unhealthy uh, for the county. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you certainly hear a lot of that. Um, I think you need to say, you know, we need to create some great assets for Norfolk County and position them where they make sense. And I don't want to talk about east or west. Just you know, you know, what does it make sense? And it's and it's not just for uh, you know, for the long-term sustainability of these assets, we need a better plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have, when you look at our arenas, um, you know, having single-pad arenas, they're not efficient to operate. They cost yeah. more. They are, uh, you know, they're all aging, uh, and they're, you know, they're expensive to maintain. Uh, we're just going through capital budget now, you know, and yeah. to replace a floor and boards and stuff, you're, you know, you're talking over a million dollars. And, um, and, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, these big assets are uh, utilized fully year round mm-hmm. and are, uh, you know, when they're, you know, when they're up and running, they're, they're you know, they, they, we can run them efficiently. So, you know, my, my sense of it is, is that, you know, we need to take another look at it. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's too many hubs. You have, you know, uh, swimming and a double rink and, you know, in one part of the county and, a, you know, and a, and a smaller one, you know, the same thing, a, a double rink and, a, a, you know, in a pool in another part of the county. But combine some assets together and kind of go from there. That's why I'm, you know, I'm excited about what, you know, how the rec center is going to be, you know, repurposed. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll have, you know, there you'll have a pool, you'll have seniors activities but then we'll have a dry floor and you know whether that's for indoor soccer um dry land training badminton you know um there's all kinds of possibilities that can uh you know utilize there um you know on year-round activities so i think you know i think we're kind of um i think there's a lot of negativity surrounding yeah uh but i think um you know, I think we just got to go. I think we got to look at the reposition of the rec center as a really positive thing yeah. for, um, you know, for for some sports. And when I talk to the, you know, the baseball coaches about what they do in the wintertime, you know, like I've gone to communities where you have the, you know, the screens are put up inside. There's actual turf, and yeah. guys are taking all winter. Uh, you know, so if you're, a, you know, a baseball player, why, you know, why isn't that a possibility for you? If you're an indoor, so my kid plays. My kids played soccer, and soccer was a twelve-month sport when you're playing travel soccer. Yep, my yeah. uh, my daughter as well. She it was twelve months, and they they were in a gym in Tilsonburg. So yeah, right. You know, so but why not have a you know what's the possibility of you know a uh, you know a turf uh, you know an indoor turf uh, field? Uh, all all has costs and that kind of stuff. And can you look at it? But you know, now we have something that we can actually look at that for, right? And position it, you know, mm-hmm. for the. Uh, for the community, so I, I don't view it as um, you know I don't view it as um, negative. I just view it as you know we need to I think have a more complete plan for the county. Um, I wasn't here during that process, and it just seemed to be focused on a few uh, communities. And I think we need to go back to the drawing board to say, okay, what is this for the for the whole community uh, of all of Norfolk? And it's nice that you said that because I, I know, and again, grew up in Waterford. I live in Delhi. I 
play old timers baseball in Walsingham. So I'm kind of all over the map. And, and I know we had a baseball practice last night uh, and uh, guys, guys on the West end where everybody, of course it's a topic, right. And everybody's talking about the West end and they'll never use it because it's a Simcoe thing. And, and the, the, the guy that ran for election in me was uh, just thinks, and it's always nice to put those opinions in a, in your pocket because you, like you said, the facilities are needed and it's one of those things that you, you really have to kind of think. And, and of course it's not dead. And I'm glad you see it that way too, is it's, it's one of those things where you need to kind of retool your thinking almost. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think there'll be some, um, I know I've done a little bit of preliminary work and, and uh, on some different options that uh, to go forward, but, um, uh, but, you know, there, there's some, you know, I, I think, you know, take a deep breath and uh, take some of the uh, hypersensitivity out of the issue and then, mm-hmm. you know, get back to basics. I'm, a, I'm an old football guy, so, you know, I was always told to, uh, you know, just worry about, you know, as long as you block and you tackle well, you know, <laughs> you know, think good things will happen. Don't, you know, don't worry about how you're going to score the touchdown. Just execute each play and things will take care of themselves. So, well, exactly. Um, so yeah. I, I think we just need to go back to the drawing board and, and uh, you know, and start executing again and, and coming up with um, a good plan that's uh, county-based. Because I think the passion is there, and I think that's the one advantage that um, you have. And, you know, when you're when you're a county of 65,000 people, um, you you have to, um, you know, you have to make sure that on that scale, what makes sense for that scale. Yeah. Uh, and what you know, what is reasonable afford, and when everyone chips in uh, for the assets, that's what makes it affordable across. But if it's if we start subdividing ourselves, no one's going to ever be able to afford um, what's needed here. Um, so um, I think we'll just come up with a plan that's that's Norfolk based. Is that something that uh, RFAB uh, are you going to be looking at or leaning heavily on RFAB because the, the recreation facility committee? Uh, some really, really good people and really good community members that are heavily involved in sport. Do you think that you'll be leaning on them for a little bit of guidance on that? Well, I think the uh, it's before it's going to come before council. I think uh, you know, I you know, I don't want to continue to use the art uh, committee name because it might you know it, it might change, it might re- be reconstituted because the original. Um, you know, the original terms of reference for that committee was very specific to the hub. Yeah. And I, you may want to do is ensure that if it's going to be kind of Norfolk based, and this is going to be up to council and, and they'll decide that. But, um, you know, from my viewpoint, it would be uh, ensure that there's good representation, you know, geographically yeah. and good representation from different user groups, right? And, and you look at, you know, a different, um, you know, this isn't about replacing you know, Talbot and the rec center. This is about, you know, where does, where does soccer fit in and where does hockey fit in yeah. across the camp? And, um, and, and kind of, you know, and that might, that will take a different type of committee. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say some of the same people might be there, but I think they need to be uh, changed around. And I think, you know, I think it would be good for a refresh of, of that just so that everyone thinks that they're part of the process going forward. 
And uh, I was just going to say, it'll give some of the people, especially some uh, some people that are very vocal on Facebook or on social media, uh, an opportunity to apply for something like that to be a part of it, right? That, that's correct, yeah. Yeah. And just kind of moving on, uh, just with what had happened with the hub, I, I really felt, I am, personally, I felt that there were some giant mistakes during the process. Uh, most importantly, kind of, I, just the lines of communication. And uh, I know one of my bones of contention, um, just kind of looking from the outside in, is uh, just that I, I, the, big, the big bone with people was location, obviously. And it was, almost, it was announced that this is our location and that's it. And I know there were a handful of locations, and everybody knows that there were a handful of locations. Do you think maybe communicating that message and saying maybe, well, this is the reason we took this, land, this piece of land because of X, Y, Z, and we didn't choose this location because of A, B, and C. Uh, do you think, looking back at it, do you, do you think the, the lines of communication could have been done better? And if, if they were done in a way, there wouldn't be an outrage, do you think? Or as much of um, an outrage, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wasn't really involved with it at that point in time. I know that was, uh, I know the RFAB committee was, that was one of their, um, well, one of their responsibilities was to, to essentially score mm-hmm. the, uh, score the, uh, the location, uh, locational facilities, um, and make a recommendation to council. And, and uh, it was my understanding it came down to two, uh, two locations. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and and, um, you know, unfortunately you can't, you know, it is a competitive process once you get down to that, right? So, oh, of course, yeah. it, it, you know, it's always, and council did wave on it, so I know there was some, you know, talk out there, or it was documented and it was done in public. Like, you know, when you're starting to talk dollars, it does unfortunately have to kind of go in camera, otherwise you're negotiating in the media. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and um, you know, so, you know, the, the, the challenge with communication sometimes is, you know, um, you can always probably do a better job of communicating. Uh, yeah. But I always think communication is a two-way street sometimes. Someone has to say something and the other person actually has to listen. And, uh, and in some cases, um, uh, in some cases, it is, you know, it doesn't always, you know, what somebody else is saying, if it's not registering with that person, uh, alignment that they don't, you know, they don't hear it and they don't think that they've been heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's a challenge. That's something that, you know, whenever you're going to pick a site, there's always going to be people who would say, well, this other site would have been better. Um, yeah. You know, I think it could have been uh, potentially a better disclosure or better understanding of the, uh, uh, of the site criteria and why, you know, ones were recommended. Almost in a graph, almost in a graph sense, you know what I mean. I, and I know uh, uh, when people say something, just like you said, they, they won't want to agree. But almost in a graph, saying A, B, C, you know what I mean. And it just, and you have a great communications department. There's some great professionals there to that could do some great visuals with it too, right? So I, I think you know, like like I said, there's always there's always that uh, uh, that refer. But I think at the end of the day. Um, you know, for, for some of the resistance, it had nothing, like for some people, when I went out to LinkedIn and, um, you know, on, on some of those issues and the RFAP issue came up, it, you know, I don't think they really cared where at Simcoe it was 
which of the two locations, there was just um, a significant amount of backlash over how much money was going to be spent on something that they viewed was Simcoe-centric yeah. uh, versus uh, Norfolk County-wide. Well, it's, um, and it's funny because one of those the, one of the, the message was con- communicated, but not really computed. I think is that you could just put this complex anywhere. You had to actually be in the town limits, right? Yes. Yeah. There was some. There was. I know there was some uh, discussion on a particular site that was outside the urban boundary, so you couldn't yeah. you couldn't actually. Be, like, um, so yeah, there was uh, you know, and there was some of that reach up to the end. So um, yeah. And, you know, and there was a lot going on, you know, mm-hmm. during that time. Period. So, you know, I think that's all lessons learned for when they, you know, go to uh, move forward with the next plan. Because the one thing I know for sure is the arenas aren't getting any uh, any younger. Uh, the, those problems aren't going to go away. Yeah. Uh, the demand, the pool keeps on increasing. Yeah. So that demand go away. Um, and, uh, so I think it's, you know, the same problem. We just need to, uh, we need to come up with a solution that, uh, is more acceptable to the county, you know, to, to all 65,000 people in the county, not, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and kind of go, go that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, I think from that point of view, it's, you know, yeah, we've taken a step back or some people might view it as a step back. Um, other people will view it as, well, we, we tried something and, you know, let's let's take our lessons learned and let's uh, you know let's move on to you know the next solution and make the next solution better. Well, with that said, uh, anything personally that you could take from the process? Um, well, like I said, I was not um, uh, you know I wasn't uh, directly involved in it. Um, you know, I think if uh, I think there should be a debrief on it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I look at the scoring that the province had put out there, you know, you knew it was going to be a highly competitive process. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't think we hit the scoring, like the scoring matrix well. Um, yeah. And um, I think we needed, you know, we needed to take a look at what was the province going to award points for and how did we truly light up? And, you know, it's one of the things I always, you have to have that honest look of yourself in the mirror absolutely absolutely what you what are we trying to accomplish here and what, where do we stack up against our you know our competitors yeah. you know there's there's other communities out there that you knew were you know uh bidding for it you know they were doing creative structures they were you know they would have um you know they were looking at uh, merging facilities and, and creating you know longer term uh, efficiencies or they were dealing with uh um, you know, in one community's case, you know, they had prime time utilization well over 90% and non-prime time utilization in the 60s and stuff. So, you, you know, you had to assess that and say, okay, well, what's going on outside of Norfolk? How do we really back up and where can we best um, develop our story and our business case going forward to hit the, you know, to hit the province or make that honest assessment and say, no, that's something that, you know, we're probably not going to be successful and do we, you know, chart a different path uh, down the road? I give, yeah, I believe this started with the previous council, and yeah. you know, they they took their shot. Uh, well, you know, why would you not try to take a shot at getting twenty, you know, three million or so dollars? Um, you know, so that that makes sense. I think on the next one, though, uh, my advice to uh, the group is, you know, make this plan work without getting money from um, an upper tier government. And, 
If you can have a plan that is sustainable, um, you could always pressure the government into providing money because they know that it's going to be successful. Yeah. Um, but all hanging on upper tier government, then it, you know, it, it, it by definition is potentially a weaker plan. So let's figure out, you know, something that makes sense for Norfolk. It doesn't matter what Queens Park or what Ottawa does. Um, let's let's work on that plan. And it kind of goes back to the uh, kind of the original. Uh, dream of this hub, uh, like uh, the Ross Keegan, Dave Scott, guys like that, who came up with this th- this idea probably a decade or so ago, and that's that was the whole goal was to unite the entire county, right? Yeah. Well, I think we got to get back to that. That was the original goal. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I think there is an approach out there that uh, uh, you know will work. I think might be. Um, you know, might be a better approach. So I, I think, uh, but I'll wait for council and uh, this reconstituted committee to, uh, you know, to move forward. And then, um, you know, then staff can certainly start to work on uh, the next business case. Excellent. Nice. So uh, next topic, arenas. Uh, arenas. Uh, it's funny that we just, all right, heading, arenas. So yeah. uh, just, it, it, and again, it, it's, Strange times, uh, and, and again, I feel bad for you and everybody else because with everything swirling, you have COVID-19 <laughs> kicking around. So it, it's one of those things where there's so many unknowns to this. And and just to kind of start on the topic of arenas, uh, the Norfolk Pros uh, had recently forwarded a letter to council expressing uh, just some concerns about the facilities. Um, yeah. And again, wh- what role does hockey and the, the heritage of hockey and skating and all those sports play into the recreation and community in this, in, in Norfolk? Well, I think, it's, you know, I, I think, you know, it does play into it, and, and, but it's got to be balanced with, uh, you know, all the other community needs. Yeah. And, um, you know, and those are questions that council needs to, um, you know, needs, needs to answer. So, you know, I know in the presentation, you know, we, you know, I, I pointed out, you know, how much, what's a reasonable amount, you know, for the taxpayer to uh, support, um, you know, and, a, you know, ice activities, yeah. you know, not just hockey, you know, there's other things that go on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, versus, um, you know, versus baseball, versus soccer, versus skateboarding, versus, you know, curling. Um, you know, there's there's proud heritage and, and, and all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and, you know, at, at some point in time, you have to make that, you know, decision. And each community might, you know, will make a different decision. There's no single answer that applies across the province or across the country. Exactly. Um, and so it, it becomes, you know, there's only, you know, so many tax dollars out there. Um and, um, you know, how much is there and what's a reasonable amount uh, to do it. And, and there's two ways to, um, you know, to go about it. One is to become more efficient and to, you know, use your facilities in greater intensity. And therefore, you don't have to subsidize it as much. Um, you can charge more uh, for it. And, you know, each of those have, uh, you know, negative implications if you charge too much. Well, exactly. It, you know, you know, it discourages, you know, usage also. Exactly. So so we try to take a balanced approach, um, 
you know, to reduce some of the costs associated with it by, you know, not having ice empty, by increasing, you know, asking people to, you know, put more usage into a fewer number of arenas, um, which makes those arenas more efficient, reduces taxpayer costs, um, but then makes those remaining arenas more sustainable, you know, going forward. So, you know, I, I think it, it gets, that's a long answer, you know, it's not going to go Peter skating is not going to be anywhere. It, it really becomes, you know, of, you know, of the budget and of all the other priorities, um, you know, that are being asked. How does that, you know, where does it, you know, where does that fit in? Like, if you look at, you know, it, and, and council always get faced with a decision. You have to compare apples to oranges. So yeah. how, how important is hockey, you know, uh, versus how important is swimming, you know, versus how important is soccer. Well, if you're a soccer player, soccer is going to be pretty important to you. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're a swimmer, you know, the pool is going to be pretty important to you. Um, and they have to make those um, decisions. And, you know, at some point someone's going to ask the question, you know, you know, why would, uh, why would a hockey, you know, hockey or someone using the arenas um, get $2 million for the taxpayer support and soccer gets, you know, a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah. Does that, you know, does that make sense? And and for some communities, maybe that does make sense. Yeah. Um, but that's the decision council has to, uh, you know, to make sometimes. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, it just goes back to the idea of uh, the privatization of these arenas. And I know when the, the, the rumor kind of first started coming out that this was going to happen or, or be attempted to happen, there was a lot of talk about, I know my Sunday Sunday morning group uh, of shinny guys were like, you know what, if it goes private, we're not going to be on the ice anymore because the prices are high. And when everything happened, of course, you, you guys put a cap on on ice prices, which is a great thing. But uh, yeah, just, just just for the first year, yeah. Uh, any contract. But I, you know, I don't I don't perceive it as a privatization item. Like I think when you look at what's happened in other communities, so yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I come from St. Catherine, so yeah. the Meriton Athletic Association runs an arena in St. Catherine. Yeah. Um, in Toronto, the Toronto Arena Board, I believe Toronto has like sixty arenas, but. Six of them are managed by the Toronto Arena Board, which is a you know not-for-profit uh, board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sault Ste. Marie has a similar arrangement. Um, so, you know, and, and the track record of those associations happen to be you know better than municipalities running them. So, yeah. you know, if you have a bunch of dedicated people um, who really want to um, you know run an arena. And you know, and do it at the low, you know, at, at an efficient rate. Then, you know, that's it. Like, there's not going to be. We're not a major urban center. Yeah. Um, there's not going to be one of the private companies coming in to buy an arena in Norfolk County. That's an unrealistic expectation, especially nowadays. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and it just doesn't. You know, there there are examples of that, but there are major metropolitan areas where um, you you have that. Here, the was you know would. You know, would a hockey association, you know, take one hundred fifty thousand dollars from you know the the county to you know run one of the arenas? Yeah. Um, and and that uh, you know that that's the realistic uh, example of it. And like I said, there's, there's plenty of examples that people from the community go should be going and talking to uh, these other communities and see how 
you know, see how it works. Is that, um, is that where the idea kind of came about? For, was from uh, in Meriton, St. Catharines? Um, well, not just there, but, you know, other, there's, yeah. a, there's certainly examples of it, yeah, where there, but Meriton is one of them. And, and in, in the last, you know, I, I certainly did provide counters that uh, information. But, yeah, no, there's, there's Toronto. You can go on the Toronto, uh, uh, the Toronto Arena Board if you, Google Toronto City of Toronto Arena boards or something like that. You can, you they produce a, a statement, you know, as a uh, an annual report. Uh, uh, they have a, you know, they have a, they have a far more sophisticated uh, governance structure. I think the Arena boards of Toronto has been around maybe like thirty years. Really? Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, so this is not a, you know, this is you know, you know, this was really, and there's two parts of that RFP. One of it is you want to kind of run it right and there's certainly and, and it's not just take it you know we're, we're willing to provide $150,000 in support for that yeah uh, the other part of the RFP was you want to be you know an affiliated member there was a group out of uh, I won't name the name but there was one group that had approached us uh, previously to say listen we want to do some fundraising we want to do some stuff for the for the complex like how yeah. can we and we and so we said, yeah, we can certainly work with that. We put it in. I, we just kind of said, funny you're asking that. Can you wait another month? Because we're going to be uh, putting that in an RFP, and we yeah. made sure it would kind of accommodate that. Um, but it, it is to uh, it to allow the community to be able to better support um, their facilities and give them more avenues. But um, uh, but yeah, like if you went to Toronto, you would. Or if you went to St. Catharines or Marathon, you you know you you want to enter. It'd be very difficult for you to say, well, which one's city run, which one? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, yeah, I've been to the Meriton Arena. I love that place. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. So, uh, but you know, they they can do things that um, you can't do in a municipal environment with. Yes. Uh, because we, you know, and, and they're able to, and you know, they have a strong volunteer um, uh, committee there that does. Uh, you know that, that does a bunch of work for that. Um, they fundraise for the arena. Um, you know, and, and it, it's the it's the Maritime Athletic Association, so it's yeah. it's hockey, lacrosse, and baseball. Like they do a lot of work in that part of the community, and and um, and you know they don't they don't lose money at operating an arena. Yeah. Uh, so well, and, uh, and again, just thinking about it, and call me crazy. Every 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 once in a while, I'll be thinking about it, and I'm like. I don't know if I'm crazy, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to take one of the arenas because off the top of my head, I had, I've got probably half a dozen to a dozen ideas to create revenue. So it, it's not out of the question. No, and, and, and sometimes, like I said, sometimes communities can do it, you know, differently, you know, differently and make sure that when they're vested in it, that, that becomes a venue, right? Yeah. Of do things. And I think we need to, uh, you know, we, we need to put more stuff into for summer usage and more, you Absolutely. know, and make greater use of it. Like, you know, frankly, as a municipality, uh, when you don't have people, you know, dedicated, you know, like I always say, an entrepreneur or an organization, when that's their sole focus, they'll, they'll work on that kind of 24-7, right? And, well, exactly. You uh, promote the heck out of it, right? And, but when you're a municipality, you got a hundred other issues you got to deal with, and, and um, unless you have people who are hired dedicated to that, we don't have that. Uh, yeah. 
it, 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 uh, so it is an opportunity. We'll see what comes out of it. There has been some interest. We, you know, we'll answer some questions. I, I just think it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you know, the community always says, well, you, you need to reach out to us for ideas. Well, this is, we're not even going to fill for ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to say you can, you know, we'll pay $150,000 a year to, uh, for you to back one of your ideas essentially. Yeah. Um, and that is unique. Like the Meriton one and the Toronto one, it, 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 um, they don't run like that. So this, the, the unique part of this one was to say, listen, we'll, we know this is a big, um, a big change for the county, but we'll, we'll put some financial net behind it, uh, for yeah. anyone who wants to do that. So what does anybody have to do to, to, to do it besides obviously filling out a, a proposal? Like it, what kind of a plan? You know, there, there's a requirement for, uh, you know, a bit of a plan. It, it's designed because we know we're going with volunteers and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's not like we need a 50-page business case. Yeah. Uh, but but you, you need to articulate, okay, here's who would be the counterparty, you know, that, that, the, uh, you know, that would be essentially leasing or licensing the arena from us. Um, you know, here's our here's our business plan going forward. You know, here's how we think we'll make up. You know, uh, the deficit. Here's how we want to interact with the, the, the municipality. Um, mm. You know, here's how because it's still, you know, we still require you or you know, or the operator to provide, um, you know, ice services for the community, right? Yeah. So we want to see how you plan to operate it. You know, there is an option for community to say, well, we'll just pay the city or pay the county to. Uh, you know, to uh, make sure the ice is there, like put our staff people in just like we do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll pay for the county for that or we'll or we'll, we'll pay for some of that service until we can bring out our own staff. So it, it's pretty it's pretty much a blank slate. You can develop a business case how you think works best for, you know, the community group and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, what makes sense for uh, the county. Like, you know, at the end of the day, the county wants to see these facilities used more. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, um, you know, it, you know, when they get used more and they cost taxpayers less, we can keep them going for a lot longer. Exactly. Uh, you know, in this case, it's just there's more benefit being derived at a lower cost. Mm-hmm. So that really, you know, if you do the cold-hearted math on it, that's really the equation you're trying to. Uh, uh, you're trying to do. You're trying to get the usage up and the cost down. Yeah, and so and basically the misconception is you don't have to be a millionaire to to do this. No, I, I think well, like I think that's that a big misconception out there too. To be honest. Yeah, I, I believe it is, and I think that's how you know. I think publicly that you know I think that was convenient for people to to do it that way because they were opposed to it. And you know, and, and to me, what's sad is. Um, you know, it, it can be a missed opportunity because when I look at it's not millionaires running the Toronto, uh, you know, arena boards. It's a, it's a community group that's doing it. It's community volunteers. When it's uh, in the Meriton Athletic Association, it's community volunteers yeah. running it. Uh, the two, it's the same thing. It's, it's people who, you know, who who want to, uh, you know, who want to run you know, run, or make sure that that arena is there for the community good and run it. And, and certainly, you know, it's not like in this case, the municipality is abandoning it. it it's just, you know, we'll continue, we'll fund, we'll continue to fund it. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see, I would love to see, you know, a hockey,
Hockey Association says, okay, I'm going to take on the arena, you know, pay me $150,000. I'll make sure that, you know, we pay a person who's going to manage this thing. And, uh, and, you know, start doing really creative things in the arena in the, uh, you know, and, and bring more things in and, and, uh, you know, have fundraisers and, and do that. Like, you know, in, in some of these community arenas, like it's not, you know, you're, you're, you know, when the, when the dressing rooms need to be painted, it's not a procurement process. It's, it's, you know, five guys, you know, get some paint from the local home, home. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And go and paint, you know, have throw pizza in the floor and then maybe, a, maybe some pops. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have, uh, yeah. you know, you, you have party and, and, and things like that get done. And, um, you know, and, and you can bring different skill sets to it. So like, I, you know, I, like I said, I've just, you know, and maybe because I, I, you know, grew up in St. Catharines and I saw, you know, the Marathon Athletic Association do that. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, as a consultant, so I traveled to a number of cities and looked at how other cities did things. And, you know, I've seen that, I, you know, for a community such as Norfolk, um, you know, I don't think it's outside their capability. No. Well, Brant to... does something very similar with outdoor rinks. Uh, it's, yeah. Or it's each individual community within Brantford in the city where you can, you have a community member be part of a, a group at council and you get a grant and you can, a lot of people used to use it for outdoor rinks, but someone used it for a, a, a baseball and soccer association, stuff like that. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. There, there are, there are, yeah. Like, like I said, I, I didn't come up on this because you know, the, brand new wave wavelength. I just kind of amended what some of the other ones do because I, I thought there was a requirement, you know, the hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars I thought was there. And part of the plan was because we were uh, taking one ice surface down, yeah. Once you start moving those hours to the other arena, they actually all lose less money. Yeah. And, and wh- so that way it makes it makes the arenas more so what when they traditionally lost three hundred thousand dollars, they won't lose three hundred thousand. With that said about the arenas, uh, do you have a timeline for opening up uh, Ice Pad in uh, Langton and Talbot Gardens? Um, yeah, like the, the timelines are all uh, a little um, flexible at this point in time. We're still getting um, numbers from, like, our first priority was get the minor sports on, right? So minor yeah. hockey and figure skating. Um so uh, Norfolk Meyer Hockey completed their registration. The first, um, you know, Langton and Delhi a little bit behind. So we want to make sure we get their uh, ice bookings uh, solidified. Um, also, like the the Langton Royals too. That's another team that's uh, and they they're one of those teams that actually the league has said they have a season. I believe they're going to start November first. Yeah, the um, the Langton Royals were going to be discussions with them because there are, there's some provincial rules about how the league you know like there's there's a we don't control the provincial rules provincial rules say you know you have to be in a league and they can't exceed 50 players and um and, and so i'm not sure uh, our, our our staff is meeting with the Lincoln rules to see how it all complies with the province and uh, yeah. you know uh, and, you know in our in our public our local public health rules but like i think um you know, I believe the order is Langton's going to probably be the next arena um, open. 
Um, That's and, good news uh, for them uh, with the 50th anniversary season with the uh, minor hockey oh, yeah. and figure skating, right? Yeah, no, yeah, that'll be uh, uh, that'll be there, and then um, you know, and then Talbot would be uh, the last one. But when when we, you know, once we get um, our numbers finalized, there is a report coming to council uh, this week. Um, that kind of lays out what uh, the the approach, uh, you know, is. And it's unfortunate that you know there was a there was an email by a staff member that uh, was not well written, and and you know we tried to immediately uh, put the, the correction out, uh, but uh, you know in this day and age, it just it, it took on a life of its own. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like with COVID, we just like we kind of, we have a we have a meeting every Thursday morning uh, in our ELC and we kind of evaluate everything that's going on and things change. Like, yeah. and unfortunately the province, you know, they make their announcements. They don't give us any advance notice. So yeah. um, if, if there, there could be a change in, uh, you know, in, in how the rules were like when the rules first came out, um, you know, you could have more than 50 people in a building. So if you had a, you know, if you had um, two rinks in a building or four rinks in a building, the original rule, how it was interpreted, was you could only have 50 people, period, in the building. Yeah. You know, so, and then, so we had to work with the province and stuff. So, like, if we had a pool with 30 people in it or 40 people in it, you know, could we have, you know, other people or if there's something else going on in that building, how did that work? So, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I don't, the province has a lot of stuff going on and they put out the rules. We have to follow the rules and, and there's been some you know, challenges on interpreting some of those roles sometimes. Uh, absolutely. Was there any, uh, what was, what was kind of the thought process of opening? Obviously Waterford had ice in, uh, in, in the summer, but opening Dover and Delhi over any of the rinks in the, or over Talbot gardens, what was the thought process through that? Um, well, staff, uh, each, each arena, staff went through each arena, and uh, put put their staging plan in, yeah. um, and uh, so because we're not opening up uh, change rooms at this point in time, yeah. Uh, and you know we have to ensure that we're in compliance with fire code for um, you know ingress and egress into the building, and, and so there's a lot of things that go into to say you know which arenas would flow best yeah. during this you know period of COVID. Um, so we, we, you know, that factored in. The other challenge we have is really at this point in time, um, we're restricted on how many staff we can have. That's a, that's a budget requirement. So part of the report that's going next week is we actually have to ask council to change the budget allocation and, and allow us to hire staff because we have yeah. to go from two, two staff in arena up to three staff. So the reason the, the first three arenas were picked was that is we can only – with our existing staff, we, that's the only, like, we could only open three. So it was and almost like I'm, a hiring freeze, eh? Well, that's how it works with your budget, right? Like, yeah. I can't exceed my FTE complement from the, uh, from council. So mm-hmm. when council approves the budget, uh, they approve what's your FTE and what's your, uh, and what's your total dollars you can spend. So if I'm going to go over my FTE complement, I have to get permission from council on that. Yeah. Um, so, so based upon what we have for staffing, because, you know, we're still cutting grass and we're still doing other things uh, yeah. and to add, you know, essentially each of our staff, each of our arenas will go up 50% in personnel required. 
because yeah. they normally offer to a two, now they're going to go to three, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could, with our existing staff, only safely open up three, and then we, uh, so then we said, okay, these are the three based upon which ones work out, where the demand is, because we, you know, two, essentially one in the, uh, one on the, and I hate using the term, but one in the western part of the county and two in the uh, eastern part of the county yeah. uh, made sense to us from a demand. Then we'd open up, um, uh, you know, then we'd open up Langton and, uh, and Talbot, uh, yeah. and then you'd end up three and two. Um, but uh, council wanted to uh, open them up earlier, so we still will have people out cutting grass while these other ones are being open. So there's a staff report there to say, I think it's up to 10 uh, mm-hmm. temporary part-time workers that will have to be hired. No, that makes sense, though. And just with that said, uh, any any timeline on dressing room issues or opening up the dressing rooms? Because I know uh, uh, that I get some feed from uh, feeds from Oxford and uh, Brant just because I play there. As uh, yep. they're opening up the dressing rooms, I know for our men's uh, for our men's chinny, they're opening up the dressing rooms. So, uh, are they going to open up the dressing rooms in Norfolk at all, or is that again a staffing issue? We keep on, yeah, we keep on evaluating. It would be another. It, it's both a staff and ice time issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got pretty good uh, comments on Waterford during the summer, and even from members from outside the community, uh, because we were able to turn over our ice very quickly. Yeah, uh, and so like some places are opening up change rooms, but there's a half hour lag. So you actually then have less ice available, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, you book for an hour instead of it taking, you know, an hour and 10 minutes to get you, you know, on the ice because of the Zamboni uh, resurfacing, you know, there's this extra 20 minutes of dead time yeah. uh, because of the additional cleaning. Uh, now you can throw more resources at it, but again, uh, you know, we're getting, uh, we're, like we've added essentially twenty dollars per hour of ice rental for the third staff member yeah. for the cleaning and, and and that and we're getting some pushback on even just the twenty dollar charge. So if yeah. you went to even more cleaning, more staff, there'd be an additional charge. So we have to balance those the cost, the time of the ice, uh, that um, and we're going to like we're like I said, we're always reevaluating it. We we're in a group of you know. 60 or 70 municipalities that we talk to, yeah. uh, different approaches, and uh, we're kind of we're, we're monitoring it. So what I say today, you know, we may have a different view of it come November, and that's <laughs> you know, and that and that's just life and COVID and, and how we can learn from this, right? Well, even absolutely, and even the, even technology is every day changing. Like uh, the, they have the foggers out there now that it takes five minutes to disinfect, right? Like uh, that yeah. was something that didn't exist probably two months ago right well we have some of those they cost 40 bucks a crack though so we yeah uh, <laughs> you know and, and then they have to sit and dry for a bit and there's a few other things but yeah like those are all things that uh, uh you know like there's there's certainly uh, uh you know there's certain some corrections and fixes that we can do uh but like like anything it's time and money right so oh, absolutely. If, uh, you know there, there's an old phrase you know it, Good, fast, or cheap, but you only get to pick two of them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. So that's, that's what we're balancing on, right? So uh, it's always uh, we'll about see. a balancing act, right? Yeah, and, and like I said, we'll we'll open up, and you know the stuff that we do in week one, uh, you know, we'll evaluate, and then you know probably have some changes in week two, and then within you know three or four weeks of operating it, we might then take a look at it and say, okay, 
you know, we're comfortable with what we're doing now. Let's add on something else or let's make the change. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and of course that kind of segues into recreation hockey and, and just with, uh, CARA, which is the governing body for, for a large majority of the, uh, rec leagues and they're running leagues and tournaments now. And of course, minor hockey, like you said, has, uh, started up almost in kind of a, well, as much of a full swing as they possibly can. And, and rinks opening up in Oxford and Brant. Uh, just a uh, what? What kind of uh, timeline do you have for recreation hockey in uh, Norfolk? Uh, yeah, so that's going to council. Uh, you know, we were originally looking at uh, you know probably a November timeframe, but the council wants to make it quicker to go into October. Um, so that's going to come to council. That's going to require the additional hiring. So uh, if council approves that, then. You know, we'll require the leagues to uh, provide us with their plans um, mm-hmm. and ensuring that they're going to be compliant with the provincial rules on league sizes. Um, and uh, once they do that, but when we pulled the leagues, it was, you know, some leagues weren't ready to play. They, yeah. you know, for a variety of reasons, some didn't want to. They wanted to wait to January to see how things shook, shook out. Others, you know, wanted to get out the ice last week. So it's, it's yeah. that balancing. Um, we did, you know, we, we do have a priority method here that the minority, like the minor sports get taken care of. Yep. You know, the challenge with COVID is, you know, minor hockey would, you know, ice scheduling is done, you know, months ahead of September. Yeah. Right? Well, pre-registration right. for men's is in July too, right? So. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, when you didn't know that hockey was going to be allowed or skating to be allowed until a few weeks ago, it compresses what would normally take months into weeks, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but people don't uh, fully, you know, get that uh, compression. But, you know, we're working with it. Count, it goes, like I said, it goes to council on Tuesday and we'll go from there. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like it's always a tough and you see different, uh, you know, there's no university athletics this year. There's no high school athletics this year. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, the Canada Games Council just postponed. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Canada. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you see different people certainly taking different approaches to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how how to deal with sports. And uh, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. So that's why council has those tough decisions. Yeah. Uh, what kind of immediacy do you put on on this particular topic? Uh, for adult hockey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if council approves, I, I think we'll be in a position uh, to uh, start uh, running some stuff in October. Nice, nice. So yeah. basically, that's all going to happen on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So we need, uh, I believe, it's ten additional staff, and mm-hmm. um, you know, if council approves that, then that's uh, you know, then that's that's where we'll go. Uh, what about protocols? Uh, I know there's uh, some user groups they they've kind of taken it upon themselves to kind of look around, and uh, of course, they're using Cara as a perfect example. Just some of the protocols of. You guys been taking some of those into consideration? Yeah, we take we take a look at some of those. We we certainly look to Hockey Canada also and the Ontario Hockey Federation, uh, and we take a look at what some of the other municipalities have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like we won't, um, you know, we'll set the guidelines for it, uh, but we'll, we're going to hold the leagues responsible. It's not going to be, you know, uh, Norfolk County is going to administer this but we'll hold the leagues responsible for uh, that. I know I'm, I'm involved with a men's thing, and, and there was this whole issue about, you know, you couldn't play in more than one league because of the 50, um, 
maximum 50 person per league rule. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and how do you monitor that? Yeah. You know, how do you monitor that? You know, um, I'm not playing in three different leagues and three different, uh, you know, three different nights. Right. And, you know, those are all things that, you know, we'll have to accept some of those risks and, yeah. uh, you know, and go from there. But, uh, but it'll be on whoever is, um, you know, it'll be on the league or whoever is booking the ice to ensure compliance with the rules. Oh, exactly. And, and that kind of goes back to a conversation I had with a, a friend yesterday and he was like, you know, I, it's, we, we were touching on that topic and, yeah, there's uh, there's an, uh, there's a risk behind it, but there's also a risk going to the liquor store or going to Walmart or anything like that, right? And yeah. So. Well, and, and but a municipality has two risks because right yeah. now our insurance policy covers some of the these items. Yeah. But our insurer is also on top of us to saying, well, what are you doing? Because if we get our insurance pulled, yeah, uh, um, then no one's going on the ice. So uh, you know, that's and, a very good point. So, you know, and, and, and I don't think people, you know, on Facebook and that kind of stuff get that, that, oh, just, you know, uh, you know, it's okay if I get sick because that's my choice. Well, no, it, it doesn't work that way because if my, you know, the county, if the insurer no longer wants to insure our nice activities because of risks that they perceive, mm-hmm. well, then, you know, you, you've wiped it out for everybody at that point in time. So there is an obligation for us to make sure that we are, um, you know that our insurance uh, uh, company is also on side with what we're doing. Oh, that totally makes sense. Is that a conversation that you have with them? Uh, it is. Yeah, they uh, they certainly talk to uh, our risk management people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's uh, we're you know, and, and there's only a couple of insurance companies that actually insure municipalities in Ontario. Yeah, uh, they're taking different uh, different approaches to it. Like, uh, um, so they, uh, but ours are. Uh, you know, they're in pretty frequent contact with our risk management folks, yeah. um, and they are asking us, "What are like, what? How are you insuring these protocols? How are you doing this? How, mm-hmm. you know?" So that's why when we, you know, we have to have our plan. This is how we take people in. This is where they get changed. You know, they're not allowed to go into the change room. You know, uh, these are our cleaning protocols afterwards. And then when a men's leaks come in, they'll be saying, "You know, we'll have to have all the protocols from the men's leaks so that we can show them." Yeah. Saying, this is what. This is what we've accepted. And then the big question is going to be, well, how do you know that you're, like, how are you enforcing it? And that's going to be uh, a big question that we're going to have to answer going forward. No, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate no the problem. conversation. And, yeah, the, uh, we, were, we were saying we were going to do this in 30 minutes and it ended up being a little bit more, and I apologize for that. Uh, that's okay. I'm just going to go back to the budget meeting now. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, joining the podcast and thanks for this conversation. Really appreciate it. No problem. Have a good one. Well, folks, that's all the time I have for this week. Thank you so much for tuning back in. I really do appreciate it. If you'd like to listen to any previous episode of Smart Sports Podcast from the previous two seasons, make sure to scroll through Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite place to listen to podcasts. For more local sports when it happens, make sure to go over to the Smart Sports Podcast Facebook page. I've had a habit of breaking some of the bigger stories related to sports and recreation in the area, so always stay tuned. And always remember to give the page a like and share it with your friends so we can continue to make Smart Sports Podcast the place for all things local sports. Thanks again for listening. I am Daryl Smart, and I will talk to you later. Add it up.